It's bright and sunny here on the East Coast. Uh, I hope everybody grabbed their snacks and everything because we have a great episode ahead of us. We are welcoming Twitter's Escoblades, Mr. Andy. Welcome, welcome. Thank you for having me. It's great to be here. All right. Well, I, like we really, all the ladies here, we really appreciate you taking the time out to do this interview with us. And for everyone listening, just so you know, uh, we're going to do the show a little bit different today because we have our guests. Uh, we're going to do an interview, um, get a little insight on um, Mr. Esco Blades and, uh, you know, his career and his, uh, his role in the community. Right. And then we have all of our usual suspects here. We have Delilah, Cherise, Lady Infamous. Yep. We're all here. You guys can do your intros. I was just going to, you know, name you all first. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, just Delilah HD. Uh, yeah, thank you everybody for coming in, and we appreciate y'all. Uh, this is uh, Lady Infamous Four One Five. You already know. Thank you guys, and good morning. I miss Sharice if she's. Yeah, she's, not like she's yes. No, I'm <laughs> the chat. Sorry, it's your girl Sharice here. Um, I'm trying not to cough on y'all because I'm still a little bit sick and everything. Oh. So I know. So I might mute myself a little bit, but I'm still here. Well, we are happy that you took time to come chill with us with your sickness and drugged upness. So we appreciate it. Yeah. Drugs are good nowadays. Trust me. Yeah. Oh. Well, I guess if you have a chronic cough, you know. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, let's get right into it. Um, so I wanted to know, like, for you, Andy, when when did you know you wanted to work in the video game industry? Yeah. Um, so it's funny because I started like my career path was completely different after like I left university. I got my degree in economics um, because, you know, I'm not, I'm Nigerian and like that's what, you know, Nigerian <laughs> parents kind of expect from you. Yeah. You know, yeah. they're, they're like, you have to be a doctor or a nurse or right. an engineer or you work in money. And so like, you know, my dad was, uh, you know, an accountant and then he became a, you know, consultant in, in finance. So I was just following in his footsteps kind of thing, right? I got my degree in economics. I was working in a bank. Um, and then this is the cliche part, right? I started playing Assassin's Creed. Like I played the first Assassin's Creed and I was like, this is all right. I, I, you know, I could, I could vibe with this. Then I played Assassin's Creed 2 and then that's kind of where it all fell into place for me. I was, um, I vividly remember running along like the rooftops of venice and the rooftops of venice from the soundtrack was actually playing at the time and it was just that point where i was like how does this even get put together like what, what's the starting point for a video game how do you make this thing that i'm playing right now because this is such a visceral experience for me and so that was the point where i thought okay i need to i need to get into this industry in some way i need to have a hand in making something and so that's kind of where I started. Um, so the first thing to do, obviously, was to <laughs> stop working in the bank. And my dad lost it. He was not happy. He was like, wow. is this a phase? What do you mean video games? There's no career in video <laughs> games. And uh, yeah, I was like, no, 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 this is a thing. So he thought, oh, I'll, I'll try that, realize there's nothing there and come crawling back. Right. But I, I started doing a lot of volunteer stuff. You know, I was doing a podcast with some friends and. I started trying my hand at uploading YouTube videos. My first videos were um, Assassin's Creed Brotherhood multiplayer uh, tutorials, right? Like Because no one really wow. knew how to play that mode at the time. Yeah, so wow. I just started uploading all that stuff. Um, 
And then I got a QA job for Sega for a little bit. So I was just trying to get, you know, experience. You, you all know how it is, right? It's like they go, you have to have all this experience, but no way to get yeah. said experience. So I was right. trying to get yeah. the experience Tell in bits and pieces. Yes. Uh, and so, yeah, slowly progressed. And then from the YouTube videos, you, Ubisoft became aware of me in the community. And they were like, this guy makes like decent videos, right? So I got to know the community developer, uh, Gabe Graziani at the time. And he'd like you know promote my videos on the assassin's creed youtube channel or on the wow. facebook page and stuff like that right so like going from you know getting maybe 250 views on a video to like thousands was yes. suddenly like oh shit, wow. this is yeah. this is real right, right. <laughs> um yeah and and that's just kind of how it progressed you know it slowly became more of a thing and then one day they approached me and said hey do you want to be a community developer on, a, on an assassin's creed project and i was like when do you need me to start so that's that's kind of how we that's kind of how we got here. Yeah, so how Amazing. Long how long has it been since then? From like from that point to now? Yeah. From that point, oh god. Um. So I've been with Ubisoft a, just a little over eight years now in total. Wow. Wow. Yeah. And you know, I think that that's also uh, something you don't see as much too that someone stays somewhere for so long because I feel like yeah, so many people in the industry like shift around, you know. Yeah, and that's the thing, right? I think so. Part of that, I think, is um, maybe a little, uh, a bit of a sort of like cultural difference across the pond, right? Because, like, I know in the States, um, a lot more of my peers move around a lot more. But part of that is also because of the way the job market is set up, right? Like, if you move uh, considerably more, um, you're able to command more wages, right? It's like mm -hmm. you can go to another place and be like, well, I was at this level, so I have to be at, at least this level, if not higher. Um, right. But I've been very fortunate in that Ubisoft has been a great place to work at. Um, obviously, I was working on a franchise that I loved so much. So that really helped with the decision to stay in the first place. But they take care of us, right? You know, like there have been times where um, on projects where, you know, I've worked really hard and like being close to burning out or whatever. But I've had really good bosses who've been like, take a break. This thing's going to be here when we come back. And like, we don't need you just like completely burning out and stuff like that. So yeah, Ubisoft's been really great to, to work at. And they give you the opportunity to like move on to other different things. If like you've come to the end of the thing that you, you know, they're really good about retaining talent is what I'm trying to say. So that's good. Yeah. And I think that's what you look for when you uh, settle in a place is like, how yeah. how is the retention rates and, yeah. you know, how do they treat their people? You know, how do they yeah. truly treat their people? Because everyone has a face, right? Yes. Everyone says they do this X, Y, and Z. But, you know, when you're there, you can really see, you know, do they really provide, you know, X, Y, and Z for their people? Yeah, yeah it's longevity, awesome. right? Everybody wants it, especially in the tech industry, because you switch jobs so often, and, you know. And so it's great when you once you find it, you really want to kind of stay in that place. Uh, that you're at, so. And I think I, like, know what you're going to say here for this next question but uh <laughs> what game series do you have the best memories of ah see so i'm gonna i'm gonna flip it a bit because uh, like as right? i mean as a screen it's like a big part of my life only because mainly because like obviously that's what made me die to work in games and it's the series the franchise i've worked on for a long time right like i think by the time i left assassin's creed after origins I had shipped seven Assassin's Creed titles and worked on one movie with, with Ubisoft, right? So, like, I have a lot of memories of Assassin's Creed. But prior to that, like, Mario Kart was my thing. Uh, like, Mario Kart, uh, bad game. The SNES uh, version, the N64 version, which I spent far too much of my life on. Yeah. Um, 
And, you know, I still play like Mario Kart 8 Deluxe uh, quite a lot. Like, it's always been a system seller for me. Like, any Nintendo, new Nintendo system seller, I'm like, where's Mario Kart? That's when I buy it. So, Mario Kart, like, holds a lot of good memories for me. Um, obviously, the Mario games themselves, the first ever game I played was um, uh, Super Mario Brothers on the Nintendo Entertainment System, right? So, um, fun fact, that actually took me two years to finish from, like, when I first started it. Because <laughs> I, I'd race all the way to, like, World A2. 8283 and then like i'd encounter the hammer brothers and then i just come to a grinding halt and so i just dropped the game for a while i was like this is too hard i can't i can't finish this stuff and i didn't come back to it till like two years later so i have fond memories of that um halo uh loved yeah, halo yeah. yeah halo's halo's my jam call of duty series obviously i played a lot of i actually worked in community for infinity ward between call wow. of duty 4 and modern warfare 3 i was on the team with robert bowling and a few others uh, and i mainly moderated the forums um and then psyops the mind gate conspiracy i always mention this on twitter this particular game and only like a few old heads know of psyops mm -hmm. the mind gate conspiracy on, on ps2 but that was like a precursor it's not the same franchise but it was a precursor to like bioshock where you had like telekinesis powers and stuff like that right, but like right. you were also like a you know kind of like a marine and i love that game so much and i hope they remaster it i want to see a remaster of that game so bad so i'm gonna have to look into that i don't think i've even heard of that it's a good game you can try it yeah i feel like sharice has played every obscure game possible <laughs> like any everybody like drops these like obscure games and sharice is like oh yeah i play that if you can, if I can throw a fireball at you, I'm playing it. That's that's my go-to. I'm sorry. Okay, <laughs> so you can throw fireballs. Cool. Well, yeah. people. So same thing. All right. So it is, was, is it like a control type uh, game or? You say control. You're talking about the game made by yes. Liberty, right? Yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 So is it kind of like that or? It was, except you were like a conspiracy user, like a soldier, and you killers following orders, then orders kind of switch up on you, trying to figure out what's going on, but you also mm -hmm. have these mental abilities that was kind of implanted to you from the government, because you know the government is shady, um, okay. and you're trying to figure out what a conspiracy is. Um, I, it's, it was a good game. It was decent. It was it was really good. I um, think I played it back in college, because it was a super old game. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> super old, huh? Yeah. All right. So, uh, also, you know, what are your, what would you say are your uh, top five favorite franchises? I know you kind of gave us a few of them there, but you know, yeah. of all time. Okay. Okay. So, definitely Assassin's Creed. Definitely Splinter Cell. Oh. Splinter Cell is oh like, oh man, oh that's right. nice. Yeah. 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 Mm -hmm. Oh man. Chaos Theory. Okay. So, like, if I if I were to if I were to clock the number of hours, the most number of hours I spent on games, um, so the third one would be Call of Duty. I think I spent an insane amount of time on Call of Duty 4. Ooh. Ooh. Call of that's Duty 4. Favorite. That's, that's me yeah. right there. The Call of yeah. Duty yeah. Like over 300 plus hours, wow. if not more. Uh, but Chaos Theory, I spent far too much time of my life on as well. So I think, yeah, Assassin's Creed, Splinter Cell, Call of Duty, um, Mario Kart, and gosh uh, what would be the fifth one like if it it bounces uh, you know what no i'm gonna say titanfall oh wow oh yes okay that's a pretty Titanfall and by, others. by yeah but by extension i guess uh, apex legends as well but i think titanfall got not nearly enough love especially titanfall 2 that game was so good like in terms of the shooter genre it really moved things forward and yeah you know it's fantastic 
Yeah, I think uh, with that game, I was always fascinated with the transition between being on the ground, boots on the ground, to getting mm -hmm. inside the mech. I think they did a good job of, of um, revolutionizing that because they had other games that tried to do it with, you know, your mech assaults and your mech warriors and stuff like that. When they would go into the character, they just never nailed that experience. So Titanfall was definitely one of those games that, that, that made some strides there. Yeah, it all just felt really smooth, right? And I think that's the biggest the biggest thing because oh, yeah. um, when, when you come into like, you know, when you really dig into game design and stuff like that, trying to maintain that fidelity and the transition from, you know, being an infantry soldier to suddenly being in mech. You have a lot of mech games, you have a lot of infantry games, but not a lot of them pair the two. So like being able to make that as smooth as possible without it being jarring, oh man, that that was one of the main things. I, I saw mechs and I was like, okay, I'm sold. I'm not even really a mech guy in that regard, but like I saw this and I was like, I'm sold. And then there was just sort of like the smooth movement, the wall running, the wall jumping, all of that stuff. Oh man, that like I said, that game deserved way more love than it got. Oh yeah. I think we lost Boogie. Boogie, are you there? Okay. Um, I'll I'll just go with the next question then. Um, yeah, sure. um, what is your favorite game at the moment right now? Favorite game at the moment. I think I'm currently playing a lot of Apex Legends. Like I've been playing that every day. Everybody's sort of like, on that super heavy yeah. though. So. The thing about it is that, like, it scratches, like, a lot of the itches that I was wanting in... And, I mean, to, to a certain degree, like, Modern Warfare, obviously, I play, like I said, I played Call of Duty 4, so Modern Warfare is kind of, like, a, a throwback to that, but with a modern spin. But I think, like, Apex Legends really has the speed of, like, arena shooters, like Quake and Unreal Tournament, stuff that I loved back in the day. It has a lot of that fluidity, um, but then, you know, lets me play a battle royale that you know that i enjoy so um yeah i've been playing that every day and actually like dipped into ranked as well so i've been like ranking up and stuff like that but they've been really good with like their support of the game the support for the community like the battle pass and all of the cosmetics and stuff like that and you know, it's 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 good yeah the character rollout is definitely very 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 well done i mean they make you kind of care about the characters by showing these like little clips and yeah. providing backstory and stuff like that just kind of getting you prepped for the next for the next thing and i think that you know battle royale has is like the newest genre right now and so with yeah. them to kind of have that focus you already see other uh, battle royale games trying to copy like the ping system mm -hmm. and stuff like that so yeah they're making some some uh some great like contributions into that particular uh, genre so it's, it's it's nice to see and i hope hopefully i get a chance to jump into apex um because I, my my husband he plays that game constantly like that's his that's his number one game right now like he's yeah he's forever on it and so uh i definitely want to try to give it a go no props to the respawn team they've been they've been killing it like and you know i mean that's i'm i'm always very happy to like let other studios to, to mention other studios and and like developers who are like doing great things in the space and this game has you know captured my attention from like the get-go i mean i loved that their whole marketing strategy was completely different to what we normally see right it was like there wasn't much about it and then suddenly apex legends is the thing go play it and the game spoke for itself more so than what anybody's word of mouth or even like influencers or whatever could say and then they've just had that staying power because they've been really good about like introducing the lore and introducing new characters and new mechanics and trying different modes and stuff like that you you know yeah i think it's yeah i honestly think 
Like, oh, go, go ahead. I'm My sorry. bad. I'm... No, I was gonna say because that's Boogie's game. Like Boogie loves loves Apex, so I don't think I mean she's probably having some. <laughs> yes, sorry about that. It's okay. <laughs> yeah, so I mean, you want to speak oh on Apex God. a little bit? Uh, that is like my game. That's my jam. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know why. I can't really like tell you why. I don't know. I, I think because it's how fast it is, you know. Yeah. But yeah. Um, yeah, I was playing yesterday. I play with Delilah's husband all the time, and um, I'm ready for season five. I love the new character. I love the way that they have taken these story elements and weaved them into the map and the way you play. It's I don't know. I love it. I love that game. Yeah, it's it's like I said, it's like it's got a lot of the DNA of, um, you know, Respawn, obviously everyone knows kind of like how Respawn formed. And so like there's a lot of that love that was poured into the old Infinity Ward uh, Call of Duty games, right? And like the tightness of the gunplay and movement and all that stuff. Yeah, they're just like Halo for me. Like they got this feel to their games. It's very uh, you can it's just like it's you, the essence of it is there like just the, yeah. the, the amount of milliseconds it takes to reload your gun or when you get ammo it's just something about the feel of it that stands out I, with actually, games. speaking of feel right actually that's one thing um especially in shooters you know like how like there's some there's some where it's like all guns feel the same and for me a shooter where like you pick up an lmg and it feels very different from an smg and like i love like say for instance i'm using a spitfire in, in apex i know i'm i'm carrying yeah. a heavy gun because the force feedback and like you know the the response and and that loop that happens right versus mm -hmm. using the r99 for instance like that's a big thing that i don't know yeah. that a lot of gamers actually like they subconsciously they know that's a thing that's happening but you know what they say right like if you if you design a game and like people aren't able to pinpoint what the thing is that they're enjoying they just know that they're doing it then that's the best way that you've done it right, right? like if somebody isn't complaining about the thing then you've done a good job yes. so when the controls like fade to the background like you, you don't, yeah. don't even realize yeah. that you're it's like your mind just turns off and you're at one with the game it just yeah. yeah yeah and that's why it's like my like go-to game like if i've like been stressed out or anything like that that that's the game that i'm trying to play because i can just hop in it i don't have to think about what missions that i have to go through like you just go in and you play yeah. Yeah. So, I, all right. I, go ahead. Go ahead, go ahead No, I was gonna say. I think the next question was was about around cosplay. I know we see a, a ton of things on uh, on Twitter and whatnot. <laughs> your cosplay. So, go ahead, Boogie, with the, the question. Yeah. So, like, when did you decide that you wanted to do cosplay? Like, uh, and what's your favorite character to embody? I guess. And, and where I was coming with this is that I think I saw before um, that you had mentioned that um, maybe you were a little hefty before in the past. Yeah. Yeah. So, <laughs> you yeah. know, I know that, you know, uh, maybe there was like a, a, a period where uh, you kind of had to get the self-confidence, you know, the yes. play. so I would like you to like talk about that too, you know sure um so it was actually 20 it was towards the tail end of 2017 that i decided oh i was going to jump into cosplay and before that yeah i was i was a lot bigger um and i just didn't have the confidence to do it because i had a lot of friends who cosplayed you know um um f through my work uh, as a community manager back in the day with assassin's creed we came into contact with a lot of cosplayers so i knew a bunch of people who were you know doing etios and doing arnos and stuff like that right and i thought oh this would be a thing I'd, I'd love to do if you know i felt i would be like even half decent in it but i didn't i didn't think like with you know the way i was at the time that i could do it but, um i then 
you know, lost a ton of weight in 2017. Uh, like, got a personal trainer and, like, you know, I was on keto and a whole bunch of stuff. Stuff I documented on Twitter. So I won't bore you with all of that details. But um, towards the tail end of 2017, yeah, we were launching Assassin's Creed Origins. And somebody had mentioned, hey, you could probably cosplay Bayek. Like, you, you know, you look like you're built like him at this point. And I was like, maybe not necessarily a video game character, but I'd always wanted to do, like, superheroes, right? Like... Uh, some of my friends had been doing really great superhero cosplay stuff. So, you know, it was not far off from uh, the the Black Panther campaign coming up. So I was like, okay, you know what? I'm going to jump into this. And so I got the Black Panther suit. And um, yeah, it just kind of blew up, right? It went super viral, which I honestly was not expecting. I was like, I'm going to put on this suit, do a photo shoot. It'll be great. People will be like, oh, that's cool. And then that'll be the end of it. And then... It got covered by Kotaku, got covered by IGN, um, Entertainment Weekly had me in something at some point. Like, I was in a cosplay magazine. Uh, Marvel reached out and were like, hey, do you want to come to the premiere? And I was pissed because I couldn't go to the premiere because my boss at the time wouldn't give me time off to go. (laughs) Yeah, I I was mad. So they organized a small thing in Canada instead, so I was able to go to that. But it kind of just went crazy and so after the cosplay after the first one i thought okay i'll just keep carry on doing this so what was the next one after after black panther i think it was green lantern i did no it was superman i did a superman one next um that one got a bunch of buzz as well then i did green lantern um and then yeah that one got me into another magazine and all this jazz uh then i did shazam and then the dc folks reached out and they were like hey the director of the movie saw your cosplay can we send you a whole bunch of signed stuff i was like what is going on this is amazing um and then cosplay now right it was was, it's but it's fun because like it's you know it's just self-expression in just a completely Mm -hmm. different way you know people people make a whole bunch of stuff like some people express themselves through fan art some people make videos you know even stuff like podcasts right like you you all just come on and like you just talk about stuff that you're passionate about and i was always passionate about comics growing up like i read comics and stuff like that and i'd identify with specific characters because of either the things they said or their personality so this was just a way for me to be able to like embody that um yeah um i ended up on tv as well oh my god i've almost forgot oh, about that there geez. was uh, How you forget? Yeah, the green lantern <laughs> the green lantern one. yeah i was on um the jim jeffrey show at san diego comic-con that was what? that was so weird because their producer reached out like two weeks before the convention going hey i saw your instagram and this cosplay is great do you want to be on a show i was like i was skeptical i was like wait what do you what do you want me to do and so she explains that like oh we want you to come on and talk about um you know why cosplay is for everyone and why comics should be for everyone right like uh so yeah i did it and i I made a whole bunch of new friends uh as a result of that but yeah i was on i was on the jim jeffrey show uh it was like we talked with him for an hour but they condensed it into a seven minute segment but yeah i was on there with my green lantern cosplay and that was insane so i held a whole bunch of other people like there's a show that's going to be coming up soon a cosplay show where like they get a bunch of newbies and then like they try and go pro I was approached for that, but I, I didn't have time to do it and whatnot. And so, yeah, a whole bunch of opportunities just opened up just because, like, the right people saw the thing that I did on 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 social media. So it was insane. So what's next? What's your next cosplay? Oh, God. So the next one um, I want to do, I've been putting it off 
mostly because of like um i was planning to move to a new place with my girlfriend but also um covid19 and all of this stuff put put a whole dampener in the works but i want to do heimdall from ragnarok oh, okay. uh you know yeah yeah the, the, so i have to i have to find a wig <laughs> Because I don't have that kind of hair, but I got to find a wig for that. All right. And then, um, let me see. Sorry about that. I, I, I just wanted to ask really quickly, how do you feel okay. about people saying, you know, uh, you shouldn't play a certain character? You know, like there should be restrictions on what characters you can cosplay as. So, oh yeah, that's a good question. So I think for the most part, like the cosplays for everyone applies, right? I think... The thing that comes up with that specifically is twofold. So first of all, when, you know, white folks will cosplay a character that's canonically black or whatever, mm -hmm. and then like they do blackface or they tan or whatever, like that's just, you, you can cosplay the character without mm -hmm. resorting to any other extreme measures like that. And it's not just black mm -hmm. characters either, right? It might be Asian characters or whatever. You can just cosplay the character right. in your skin tone, the end. Like that's what you should be doing. Mm -hmm. That's how it should be. But there's also there should also be the understanding that like there are certain characters that um, their whole identity is rooted in their skin color. Take Black Panther for instance, right? So this mm -hmm. is not to say that white people can't cosplay Black Panther, but they should understand the reverence of Black Panther to black people because he was the first mainstream right. black superhero at that right. particular point in time, and a black superhero that wasn't a sidekick, right? He was the king of a whole mm -hmm. nation. He was the richest person in the Marvel universe, right? And one yeah. of the smartest too. So there's a lot of weight there. Like Jack Kirby um, and um, Stan Lee had talked about it at length, mm -hmm. about how important Black Panther was. So when, when white folks or non-black folks rather uh, cosplay him, they should just understand that reverence, right? understand that like there might be some people who might side at you for doing it but that doesn't mean you can't do it just do it respectfully right so right. um in the same way like if i was going to cosplay it was the same with like uh, uh you take um moon knight for instance i did that cosplay and i was very aware of his jewish heritage right like i understood that like mark specter has a particular history and also obviously you're embodying an egyptian god it's like so the only connection there is Africa, right? I'm in the same continent, but I'm not Egyptian. So, like, I was, I right. was very aware of all of those things before going into it, right? Like, it, just, just some tact and some understanding of the thing that you're doing. Uh, but I think for the most part, people should be able to just, you know, cosplay and That's enjoy right. it, right? Don't, don't yeah. go the extra mile to accuracy is not an excuse. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, right, yeah, because you like you don't need to do blackface. Also, like, if I'm being honest, it also just mm -hmm. makes it look worse. It just, Drama, it looks yeah. shit. Like, like, you don't need to, you don't need to go heavy on the bronzer or the this, that, and the other. Just be you, because the costume right. is the is what people are gonna see, and they're gonna go, oh, I know who that is immediately, right? You don't need to, yeah. No. Agreed. Totally agree. And then, you know, I see you talk about food an awful lot on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> And people who can cook and can't cook. So uh, I wanted to ask, what is your favorite meal or dish to eat and cook? Maybe oh my god, that's a good question. <clears throat> I don't know. I have a favorite. Well, I I think I do, and I'm biased, but it's because it's like you know a, a staple West African dish. But mm -hmm. like, if I put it together, a plate of jollof rice and some goat meat and fried plantain, mm -hmm. I'm a very oh, happy right. person. Yeah, okay. That's that's like that's my favorite. <laughs> But like I love duck, 
duck is like yes. one of my favorite things in the entire world so like anything to do with duck i'm i'm down for that as well i do too like uh i went to culinary school um way back in the day and when we made duck it was like my favorite it's like you get yeah. the you get steak and poultry mix is yeah. how i feel about it and it's so many people don't like right because i haven't really yeah i haven't ever had duck so pardon my ignorance, yeah but, uh so the texture you said the texture is more of a is a, a mix steaky oh, okay okay cool. yeah yeah and um you even you even don't cook it all the way like you do chicken like chicken mm -hmm. you know you're supposed to like all the way yeah all the way cooked um and then duck is a lot fattier so yes. um you tend to have to like if you're gonna have a duck breast you tend to have to like score the skin so that you can render a lot of that fat down so you get like this nice crispiness uh, the best way to introduce somebody to duck i think is uh, like peking duck you know because it's fried oh. uh yeah see <laughs> yeah. yeah oh yeah duck is best. yeah so i wholeheartedly agree with that but. in fact my I, I i definitely got my love of duck from my dad but mm -hmm. at christmas everybody else would be doing turkey and we'd mm -hmm. do duck like, then that would be the thing. Like my stepmom right. or my sisters would do like the rice or the yam or whatever. And mm -hmm. the guys, our thing was the duck. We would tend to that thing. We would brine it the day before. And then right. like, you know, again, score it. would season the whole thing. And like, we'd just, uh, yeah. Would you roast it or how would you guys? Yeah, we'd roast it. Okay. Yeah. So See, now you're making, you want to make yeah, a duck so for good. Christmas now. So I did so start good. doing, uh, what is those, uh, not roast beef, but um, I can't think of the word now. Pastrami? Like no, no, it's like a rack. Uh, rack of lamb? Prime rib. Oh. Prime rib is okay. what I started doing for Christmas. And the family like loves that. Like They look forward to that every year. It's, uh, especially my little kids. She's like such a meat eater. It's not even funny. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, prime rib for Christmas is pretty awesome. But I think I might have to fold in duck. Yeah, no, duck, is, duck is legit. So good. Now I wanted to ask too: Did was Ubisoft what brought you to Canada, or like were you already there before? No, yeah, that they brought me to Canada. So when they extended the offer for the job, I actually worked remotely from the UK. I was in the UK at the time. Okay. I worked remotely for a year while we sorted out, you know, immigration and um, mm -hmm. specifically my work permit and all of that stuff. And then so I moved over to Montreal to work at the Montreal studio and I worked there for a little over five years before I then moved to Toronto but yeah no they I came to Canada specifically to work for Ubisoft uh, they brought me over like I said they were really they were really good they, they took good care of me like the relocation was they 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 made sure that I was settled and and took care of me every step of the way so and I wanted to ask, you know, if you wanted to just expand a little bit maybe on uh, your roots in the UK, like, how was that? Like, how do you feel if that's like different, I guess, than what you see in Canada? And I guess, you know, how you see for uh, Blacks and maybe Africans in Africa or not in Africa, in the US, you know, because it's, it's, it seems to be very different everywhere. I got to visit um, London last year yeah, and um, it was such a nice breath of fresh air because yeah. I didn't feel like anyone looked at me any any type of way like I was just yeah. another person walking on the street and uh it was amazing I like like I want to move to the UK now <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, no, it, the UK, it's just like most places in that, like, um, maybe with the exception of America, uh, caveat there, but like, it's like most places where like you, you'll sometimes get concentrations mm-hmm. of, of multiculturalism that's happening. Right. So like I, I was in the UK for a total of 14 years. Mm-hmm. I lived in London for quite a lot of that time. And London is probably one of the, uh, most culturally mixed cities in the world period. Okay. Right. Like it's yeah. just so many, it's a melting pot. Um, and then I, I was in that time, I also went to school in the southwest of England in Somerset, and there's barely any black people there. Just okay. because, like, it's like for the most part, it's traditionally farmer country mm. in the UK, right? And it's like black people weren't farmers in the UK, yeah. you know what I mean? So, like, they, they weren't there. So, like, when I was in school in Somerset, I was very aware of the fact that I was one of seven black people in that school in my wow. year group, right? Like, let yeah. alone in the city, uh, in the town that we were in, rather. Um, went to university in Manchester, which is a student city. So it brings in a lot of international students, mm-hmm. right? But like the North of England, again, is not traditionally a hotbed for like where black people are. Yeah. In the time towards the tail end of my university time, there were a lot more sort of like uh, Middle Eastern folks who'd moved there. Mm-hmm. Um, part, and I said Manchester specifically, partly because obviously the two clubs that were there, Manchester United and Manchester City, and then Salford as well. But there were four universities in, in Manchester. So... It was, now, when you say club, you mean soccer, right? No, soccer clubs, yeah, sorry. <laughs> yeah. yeah. As as we called it in the UK, football, but for yeah. y'all, soccer. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, and then, like, moving back to London, like, so, you, I, you know, I got to see, like, different facets of all of that. Mm-hmm. But um, coming to Canada, again, there's a difference, right? So, like, Montreal and Quebec specifically is not with the exception of maybe francophone Africans right like there's not all that many black folks in Mm -hmm. that part of Canada versus coming to Toronto where again it's kind of very much like London and New York right there's it's so multicultural there's like a huge mix so it really depends like um uh my girlfriend lived out in Saskatchewan before she moved uh Mm -hmm. to to Ontario to to live with me and like I said that not expected to see very many black people in like Saskatchewan or Alberta, right? Like it's mm-hmm. not, but then you go to British Columbia, which is right on the West and there's considerably more of an Asian population there. So it's, it's spread out and it's really different and it depends on where you land. But you know, there's, there's as much similarities in Canada as there are in the UK. It just really depends on where you are. So. Awesome. Yeah. I've been to uh, British Columbia I've been to Victoria, but I've never been to Toronto, so that's on my list as well. Toronto's dope. Like the food here is the food scene here, here. I think yeah. I'm biased now, but I think it's the best in Canada. I think uh-huh. just because like there are people here who use seasoning. <laughs> there are mad Caribbeans here. Like, oh my God, okay. you can't really walk anywhere in Toronto without seeing like some place that has roti or like, you know, oh, salty shanaki and uh, uh, actual, actual jerk matter. chicken. Not like, not like imitation jerk chicken, actual yeah, jerk chicken. Yeah, right. Got to add that to our list, ladies. Definitely, yeah, yeah. Definitely because um, Bay Area, Bay Area Caribbean food is not what, what it is, like Caribbean, Caribbean food. So I'm, yeah. I'm definitely like down for any like food trips for me. I love yeah. it. Yeah, it's it's so funny because like here where I'm at now in Virginia, you know, we, we have like probably the worst Mexican food out here. Oh, no. But I know it's quite horrible <laughs> moving from California here. But we have a very large Indian population here, so mm-hmm. you have like a lot of like Indian grocery stores, uh, a lot of uh, different foods here. I, like just walking around my apartment building, you smell different Indian food all throughout the day. Like it's pretty amazing. Like 
the the standard of Indian food that I've been able to enjoy here. Yeah. I think right. like in the States, for me, um, this is one of the reasons like I like going to San Diego Comic-Con, but it's because mm -hmm. like the South American food and Mexican food specifically in San mm -hmm. Diego is the bomb. Amazing. So good. Yes. Yeah, it's, a, it's pretty much the same in Cal in Los Angeles where I am. Yeah. So SoCal in general, you know, you're going to get good uh, Latin food. You yeah, know? it's still the best Mexican food I've ever tasted. And it, what's interesting is that my brother-in-law, he's Mexican. And like, it's, it's still, it's something about it that it's just, it's very different uh, than, than what, you know, my family makes versus what I've had in SoCal. So it's, it's the best, best ever. Yeah, I, I, I took all, so last E3, um, I took all the the gang to this um, food truck spot, you know, and they're all like, I remember Delilah saying like, where are we going? Like, where's the place? Like, <laughs> you know, looking for like a brick and mortar place. And I'm like, no, yeah. you, you see that tent over there on the side of the target? That's where we're going. <laughs> yeah. And we like literally ate tacos on the side of the road, like on the side of the, uh, you know, brick part of the uh, parking lot, just chilling that was the best tacos i ever had hell yeah it's crazy you know what if if you all <laughs> ever if you all ever come to toronto i'll take you to a place here called king's tacos so mm. good oh my god it's like mm -hmm. yeah Why do I feel that, like that, everywhere that... has a king's tacos <laughs> like they have <laughs> some probably, like the same, but it's different and then like we have yeah. some in socal they're called king taco but yeah I, it's probably not the same as yours at all but it's hilarious i think yeah. Maybe that's the secret. You just got to look when you go to the new yeah. place. You got to find the right, King's yeah, Tacos. <laughs> we know the secret now. Yeah. All right. Well, um, what would you say to people looking to get into the game industry? Uh, I know that like uh, we we briefly spoke about it. It's, it's pretty, mm -hmm. it seems like everyone has some oddball story. There's no direct route, I feel like. Um and my myself, I would love to get into the industry later. You know, yeah. right now I'm trying to hone my skills and uh, start approaching that again. But, you know, I know that there's a lot of people that are out there that want to get into the industry. And uh, what would you say to them? Um, so you're right in that, like, it's a lot more common now to have a completely different route in than, you know, like traditionally most people would go you know, get into a studio, do QA, and then make your way through that way. But um, there are a lot more people now, a lot more content creators who are able to get in by, by proximity to the studios that they work with uh, on, you know, videos and branded deals and whatnot and stuff like that. I think the thing I'd say is definitely know exactly what it is you want to do. So the number of people who, uh, and I love doing this, right, but the number of people who come to me and go, hey, I want to work in marketing, and I'm like, slow your roll what specific part of marketing do you want to work in? Because it's like, I could list a few things off now. You could work in retail marketing, you could work in product marketing, you could work in brand marketing, experiential marketing, partner marketing. Those five different things all have very different skill sets and like end goals, right? Within a structure, within a corporate structure. And so knowing exactly what it is you want to do means then you can then hone the specific skills that you need to excel in that area. Right. Because it's it's you can't just say I want to work in marketing. Marketing is like so diverse. You can't just say, hey, I want to work in community. Do you want to be a community manager? Do you want to be community support? Do you want, you know, things like that. Right. So being able to look through I see the simplest thing would be like go to the go to a um 
say like ubisoft.com for instance and like just see what the different job roles are and read those job descriptions and be like okay i'm going to need this or i'm going to be working cross-functionally with a bunch of different people so what skills do i need for that and once you identify what that is then you can then start making your way towards like the industry and it, you know at this point now we're we're not you don't have to go to school for it right and get a specific like game you know some roles maybe like maybe like if you're doing game design or programming or right. something those could help but it's not the hindrance that it used to be mm -hmm. um when i when i eventually got into ubisoft prior to that when i was doing the youtube thing full time i applied to ubisoft uk for a digital marketing position and I got to the final round of like interviews and then lost out to somebody who had more experience, right? They used to work for Sony. And so like at the time I was, you know, upset, but I understood why. And I reached out to them and said, hey, what can I do better next time? And they said, you just need to build up more marketing experience. We need to be able to understand that you, you know, we need to be able to see that you understand marketing to this degree of depth. And so then was the conundrum right like how do i get this experience that they want me to have and so i turned to my youtube channel and i pivoted it away from just doing gameplay videos and i was like i'm going to market myself escoblades as a brand right like i'm going to show them that i can get this experience via this avenue that i have available to me so i started you know like working on like my branding and like intros and like outros and like end cards understanding the algorithm understanding the length of my videos and where pre-rolls and stuff are supposed to be expanding my portfolio as it were so instead of just doing gameplay videos i started doing lore videos i started doing like you know more sort of like press orientated videos i was doing podcasts like i was trying to just do so many different things to show that like i understand the marketing funnel right. within the youtube space and so when next ubisoft came calling they were never going to say that i didn't have said experience right so right. like um and i know like I'm coming from a place of privilege in that I was able to do that and I had that means, right? But like, mm -hmm. that's definitely, I think, being able to make the most of uh, the resources you have available to you at the time. And of course, you might need to ask for help or whatever, but um, that's, that's, that's definitely, I would say, identify the specific role or roles that you want to do in the video game industry or in tech or in whatever. And then, you know, just really just prioritize and focus on that. Yeah, I um, it's 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 still like hard. I think you know, and and I think we have to like really like let people know. You know, it's not going to come easy. It's not going to come tomorrow, which I think so many people think nowadays. You know, everything has to be yesterday. But um, I think it takes a lot of work. I mean, everybody that I talk to who uh, has made it into the game industry has put forth you know years of effort. Not yeah. you know, oh, yeah, not absolutely. a month, not a couple of months. You know, it's it's a marathon, people. Yeah, no, I, yeah, I it know, is like. Sorry, come on. I was gonna say I know pretty early in my career. I've, I've kind of heard some of the same things. Like I back in the early two thousands, I used to be like, oh yeah, I want I want to make games. I want to make games. I want to make games. And they was like, well, have you ever made a game? Like it's not. Don't you can't look at it as if you have to get into a company in order to make a game. You got to mm -hmm. do things on your on your own and hone it. Like you said, hone in on those skills in order to apply that to the actual job that you want. So. Yeah. Yeah, and it's, I think, like, it's a lot easier now in so much as, and this is not like, a, oh, back in my day, we had to do this kind of thing, <laughs> but, like, it's a lot easier now that if you want to make a game, you can go, yeah. you can get free mm -hmm. resources, right? Like, you can download an engine and, like, start playing around with that, download, right. like, game makers and stuff like that. There's, there's more opportunities to be able to just go, I did the thing, 
And then it's as much doing it as it is then getting people to see the thing that you did. And then it might not work on the first try or the second try or the third try, but you keep doing it, right? Like you keep going at it. I think a lot of, um, I forget what, how do we label the generations? I know I'm a millennial, but like what comes after us? I just know that the generation now, Gen I know that the generation now get to see a lot of like, almost instant gratification in that like you do something on TikTok and then suddenly boom you have all these opportunities right and it's right. like that's great if that's the avenue you want to go to it's probably a lot easier to become an influencer now if you just catch the right eyes but getting into a creative industry still takes a ton of work right like it took a lot of years of doing these videos and like doing videos a particular way and making sure that the people I wanted to see it, see it. And then like getting their feedback and then implementing said feedback and then doing a different iteration. And it's not going to happen overnight unless like you, you download a game maker or like you're playing around in Unreal Engine or whatever, and then suddenly make a million dollar game, right? Like that rarely happens. <laughs> so, right. you know. All right. Um, so my next question um, is, so, and many of the people may not know, but um, you started this uh, event called the Black Game Pro Mixer. And I just kind of wanted you to let us know, like, what made you want to start that event and, um, you know, what it is and, you know, how it's going and what maybe you have uh, plans to do, you know, for that event uh, mm -hmm. in the future. Yeah. No, I'm really, I'm really happy. I'm proud of the Black Impros Mixer. It actually started uh, as an, a discussion between myself and Leon Winkler, who's our director of international events at Ubisoft. And he's been at Ubisoft even longer than I have. But we were talking one day, he saw the hashtag uh, 28 days of black cosplay online. And he was like, hey, Andy, what is this since you cosplay? And so I explained to him what it was. And he was like, okay, cool, cool. And then like, we didn't, we were preparing for E3. So we didn't really talk all that much again until like two weeks after and he goes hey we do something for black cosplayers at e3 <clears throat> and i was like you mean as ubisoft like we should we should invite black cosplayers and i was like why stop at black cosplayers why not just let's do something for black professionals in the industry and tangentially and it was like that's a solid plan so we just started emailing back and forth we we're like let's do a thing what can we do hmm, okay what's out there already microsoft do stuff and it's like why can't we also be you know, mm -hmm. uh, in the space. And so we had the uh, Ubisoft Lounge. We've had that for years now, which is just sort of like separate from the convention center um, where we have all our games and stuff like that. We're like, okay, we have a venue, so we don't have to worry about the logistics of that. What date do we want to do it on? Do we know that wants to come to the thing? Let's open it up. And then boom, the Black Game Pros Mixer became a thing, right? I think I'm skipping a very important step there, which was we <laughs> pitched it to our, uh, you know, uh, corporate comms team and they immediately said yes right it's like and i'll say this like ubisoft is really good um uh, working towards in improving diversity and inclusion but even then there's a hesitancy when you're like okay i want to do this thing and they're like you you expect to be told okay temper your expectations let's do this one step at a time yep. <laughs> we presented this plan we want to do this event and they were like go ahead and do it you have a green light i was like wait what oh okay shit we have to do this now <laughs> uh, um so yeah stuff, and so. yeah exactly right <laughs> like there was none of the, we weren't bogged down with anything like our vp of comms she's been one of our biggest cheerleaders and she said please do the thing we need more of this and that was when i knew that like okay they're willing to put their money where their mouth is when we when we talk about diversity and inclusion so 
we did the first one at E3, which was just great. Like I, I, you know, I had, I was really glad that we were able to pull that off. And we said in interviews afterwards that we wanted to make it a regular fixture um, on, on like the convention circuit or whatever. Like we wanted to make sure we had more of these. It wasn't just a one-off. Mm -hmm. So we then planned for, we planned for a few. We wanted to do one at PAX West, but that fell through um, because of the proximity to another big internal event that we had. So we couldn't really divert, uh, divide our attention. We mm -hmm. were going to do one at EGX in London, but again, it was just a little bit too close to another big internal event that we had, so we, we had to uh, put that off. And then I moved to the Toronto studio and started talking about diversity and inclusion internally in the Toronto studio. And they were like, hey, do you want to do the Black Emperor's Mixer here? I was like, oh, wow. Yeah, sure. And they were like, you want to do it during Black History Month? I was like, um, yes. So yeah. <laughs> the, second one, the second one happened here in Toronto. And... Uh, we were able to expand it even more because the first one was mostly like folks in the industry and content creators. Mm -hmm. And then this second one, we opened it up to like folks in TV and in entertainment, oh, wow. in the, in the local tech industries. And we had like over a hundred people and nice. it was just fantastic. So we have plans yeah. for another one Obviously, COVID put any in-person events, uh, kind of scuppered right. all those plans, but we want to do a digital online version. Uh, oh. So we're, we're, we're in talks with, we're in talks to do something like that and we'll have more information once we nail everything down soon but yeah yeah please 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 let let me know what's going to happen with that. i'd be very interested and i'm sure a lot of people who um are here would be as well yeah but yeah that's mm -hmm. amazing I, I i thought it was cool i was upset i think that like your your event at e3 last year overlapped with like some fan oh, fest man. stuff yeah yeah I there but yeah I'm so sorry about that. It was it, so we had. I can give you some insight, right? It's like we had. I went. E3. <laughs> I was there. I had yeah, fun. Was there. <laughs> was there. I, was, yeah, I showed yeah. it. It was awesome. You, um, I think I was there during your speech and everything, and yeah. it was very inspiring. You were awesome. The event was nice. I met a lot of cool people there. We are not Instagram um, friends, and we talk nice. and we chat. So. I enjoyed myself and I really hope that you do it, continue to do it. And I hope I get invited again. So, you know, just putting that out there. Just <laughs> you, all, you all have, you all have a standing invite to any in-person ones so we do that, we can, that you can get to. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, but like E3, E3 is always a tough week for anything just yeah. because there's so much happening. Right. Yeah. And it's like, it's even, agree, an even yes. longer week for all of us because I usually get in on like the Friday before it starts. So we have to do rehearsals and set up everything and all of that jazz so the only free time at the time we decided to do it was the monday mm -hmm. but then as it turned out Fortnite were like yeah we're gonna have a party on monday we're like oh okay and they i think fan fest had a thing on the monday as well we couldn't really do it on tuesday because there were a whole bunch of things that i and myself and leon had to be in on tuesday wednesday was the ubisoft party and then thursday most people would have gone right so it was like it was mm -hmm. either monday or sometime over the weekend when people wouldn't have come in so that was that was you know yeah, i think tough. actually one thing that a lot of people have mentioned is maybe people who do events and or parties at conventions should all talk to each other yes, <laughs> try and like right. make a timetable yeah that would help yeah for sure yeah oh my god yeah that would be awesome yeah because it was like the struggle bus for real trying to move from event to event event to event one of bethesda and then like yeah so it was crazy yeah but i love it like i love being able to see everyone 
and uh, interact with different people that do all sorts of different things within the industry. So, like, I hope we do continue that after all this is That's done. the plan. I mean, the plan is definitely we're going to have, like, I say with a great deal of confidence, we want to continue to do this at E3. Like I said, we're always going to have a space to do it at mm-hmm. E3. So it's really just about, like, who wants to come, right? Like, right. and make it. But also, it's it's, like, there's as much the in-person gathering and, like, mm-hmm. Just having, as you all know how it is, just having a space where it's like for a couple right. of hours at the very least, you can be unapologetically black, right? It's like right. Yeah. there's no there's no code switching and there's no putting on airs or graces or whatever. It's just us, right? Being us. And like I was the initial sort of like idea that came about. It's like, let's just have a black as fuck thing. But then beyond that, it's like getting different people together. So the thing, especially with the Toronto event that I loved was folks from different parts. Um, I'm not going to on blast, but there was a friend of mine who's a voice actress and we put her in touch with our casting director, right? So like now that's a connection that's been made that is directly beneficial to what she does. Right. And like folks who came there who saw our performance capture studio who were like, oh, wow, I could do a thing in mocap, right? Like, I understand, all, you know, and they get to talk right. to the mocap director. And it's like so it's putting people in touch with folks that they might not necessarily have access to. And then you all figure it out, right? Collaborate, do all the things. That's 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 what I get out of that. That's what I want to see. I want to see people making those connections and then running with it. And then the next evolution of that is to then directly be able to help um, either like the local communities or whatever, or like students, like I, for me, a big part of it. And we set up, uh, an employee resource group at U- Ubisoft Toronto, okay. which is called black game pros. But like, for me, the big part of that is to make sure we have a pipeline with student community, the black student community in Toronto, make sure that we have people coming through from whatever, you know, their, their school programs and degrees are and getting into like our Ubisoft next and Ubisoft internship programs and stuff like that. So that we have more black people coming through, uh, to our studio, but also into the industry in the direct sort of like connection there. So. Yeah, and you, you basically, you know, touched on the next question, which was, you know, why are these events, uh, these types of functions important? Yeah. But uh, I wholeheartedly agree. And I'm glad that you touched on the, you know, bringing more of our immediate community, you know, our the kids that are growing up because they need to see that, you know, there's a future in yeah. the tech industry as a whole for uh, people like us. I think that um, we still are um, haven't tapped into that. And um yeah, I mean, I read this interesting statistic that, you uh-huh. know, there are 32% of African-American or, you know, other blacks in general that play video games, 32%, but only um, less than 1% represent them in the game industry. Mm-hmm. And that's, you know, that's a stark contrast um, when you compare that to other ethnicities and whatnot. So, yeah, yes. Um, both Leon, uh, my friend Kirsten, who works as a dev tester here at Ubisoft Toronto, he said as well, he'd either be at events or would be at E3. And like at some point or either the, one of us will get, you know, a little kid, little black kid comes up and plays the demo or is with their parents and they go, mm-hmm. Hey, I didn't know that, you know, like, you know, you, you folks like me worked in the industry. And like, that always hits me because it's just mm-hmm. sort of like, I would have killed to see more people who look oh, like yeah. me in oh, industry yeah. when I was trying to break in, right? So, like, I always cheer extra loud when I see folks like Sarah Bond or mm-hmm. even see, uh, you know, folks from, and, you know, shout out to Microsoft because they've been a leader in that particular part um, of our industry for years, right? Like, I think um, I'm 
I'm blanking on the uh, it's Blacks at Xbox. I'm not yeah, mistaken. Yeah, that's, that's yeah. It's Blacks at Xbox and Blacks yeah. at Microsoft. Yeah. But yeah, and they do their thing at GDC and have been doing so for 15 editions. Like, I mean, like that is leadership, right? So it's like we definitely got a lot of inspiration from them. Um, I'm really happy to see like folks at the Pokemon Company, for instance, have started their own ERG team, Marlon. I know wow. Riot are making uh, huge strides with theirs as well. So it's like I just want to see more. Like we're all in this. I I use the I use the phrase a rising tide raises all boats, right? Like we're all in this. Um, like you said, there's a this huge in fact, I, I think that percentage is higher of like African Americans, let alone just black folks who play video games, right? Like well, it's, I was, it's I was much... talking about yeah, oh yeah, that play absolutely. Yeah. I think it's more than two yeah, yeah. percent. I can remember where, where I saw the statistic at, but it just kind of stood out to me. Um yeah. but the the less than one percent uh like yeah one percent is kind of insane when you think about it um yeah yeah and and it's not just also like we have a responsibility to not just get more black people involved in the industry but like it's the retention as well right so right. it's like making sure that they are in a safe enough space to stay and be themselves but also to progress you know it's not enough to just have sort of like a bottom heavy structure where it's like there are a ton of black people here but they're in low level positions we want them to be able to influence decisions further down the line and progress and get promoted so there's there's this i mean that's why i said that i was really happy to see that ubisoft cared about it because they came to us with stuff they were like how do we make this not just a thing that we do and it's flashy and the end of it like it needs to be sustained so yeah, yeah. microsoft does the same i mean they, they yeah. have a really big push for diversity and inclusion so um yeah, I mean, it's it's you, you can tell that company this has become a, a huge focus because you have to kind of market to where your customers are, and if you know, like you said, it's more than thirty-two percent uh, is is playing your games, or, or but it's like how do you market to those people? And so you need people with the same kind of background, same life experiences, in order to present um, products that that is that align to those those groups. So yeah. Yeah, you guys are kind of already rolling into the next question, which is uh, <laughs> you know, how do you think companies could, uh, what they could do to retain diversity, but uh, just along those lines, I know that Delilah spoke quickly about um, the percentage of Blacks or, uh, in that play video games, but I know that for women too, because we fit yeah. into both of those uh, demographics that for women, we're close to like 48% of the gaming community, which people still, I think, don't believe, but uh, there are a lot of women that play games and in yeah. and, and we need to see women and uh people of color in yeah. the industry because how are you going to have that female lead how are you going to have that black lead in the video game without having these people in like you said from the top right yeah yeah absolutely and in, in just in terms of like retaining diversity um uh, i've spoken about this before in the past but you know there's there's even little things like a company sort of like overhauling or at the very least amending its hiring practices. I think a lot of people who don't suffer from this don't realize how much reading a job description or like a job posting can immediately discount a whole bunch of people, right? Mm -hmm. Just from the wording that's being used, right? The one thing that I don't like is seeing, we encourage people of minority, you know, people right, from minorities right, in this gosh. to apply. It's like, you can encourage people all you want if they don't yeah. feel empowered to do the thing, it's right. for naught, right? Um, but also recruiters sort of like identifying and being able to sort of like subvert their unconscious bias. Mm -hmm. Because I'll tell you a story uh, about when I was in the UK and I like I applied to a whole bunch of different places. Um, but one of the things that I did was 
I'd used my Nigerian name on my CV versus my English name, Andrian, right? And like, you can guess which one got way more callbacks just from people seeing a name. You know what I mean? It's like little things like that. It's just like, oh, this person is most probably black or African. You know, we don't want to take the chance with that kind of thing. I don't know. But I just know that like that little experiment opened my eyes to a whole lot of things. And so like, you know, maybe it's blind recruitment or whatever, or just, again, people identifying what their unconscious bias is and then being able to like work against that because i think that would definitely make just the recruitment process a whole right. lot more and like we'll get lex excuses of oh we just didn't get that many black applicants it's like there are plenty of them there right. are plenty of them who want to work in the industry it's like but why are they stopping at the application process to your company right you should probably identify what that is so yeah, and then HR is like really where we need to uh pivot toward you know like you know do we need to have more of us working in hr do we need to have more recruiters who are look like us or do we simply need to have a review process of you know who these people are bringing on so that you know who is having those unconscious unconscious bias uh, yeah. maybe too frequently you know so that you can bring other people you know to do that job because i've always said you know and i say it with you know, people that work in the industry, as far as like media and stuff like that, there's always someone else waiting to take that person's job. Just because you've had this person, if they're not performing or if they're not aligned with your vision of diversity, get someone else. Someone else will do that job just as well as that person. Just because they've been at your company for a while doesn't mean that that needs to overshadow the part where they're not, you know, aligned with your diversity needs. Yeah. But no, it's it's definitely important, and I'm glad that the, I mean there are already so many companies like we we're very fortunate to stand on the soldiers of giants as as I've mentioned. But like, you know, there's there's so many companies that see the need for it, understand why it's important, and are making strides, big and small, towards like improving that because. Um, you know, the statistics read, make for sobering reading uh, in mm-hmm. terms of just like the number of people who identify as black who work in the industry. And then you see like there was a whole uh, IGDA uh, survey that's done every year, right, for like for, for game developers. And you see like the skew of black people that work in the industry and then like the sort of like average wage that they're earning and like the seniority of the positions. And it's like, it's just more and more sobering each time you read it. And I'm like, sure, it's going to take work to readdress the balance, but it's definitely beneficial, especially in terms of like just producing uh, products and games and experiences that, that speak to more of the people or more of the consumers that we hope to reach. Right? Yeah, definitely agree. Well, I think we're at the end of all the interview questions that I had for you. That was fun. Time flew by so quickly. (laughs) It's just, you know, that's how it's supposed to be, right? It's just supposed to be like a conversation, you know? That's what we strive for. Um, But uh, again, we really, 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 really appreciate you coming and doing this. Um, I know that I see you, I guess, on Twitter as a big voice proponent for us. So I really wanted to get you on the show. I I don't know that I'm a big voice, but I really appreciate that. I really appreciate the invite as well because it's like honestly, high key, I've missed podcasting. Okay. <laughs> I, mean, like, I, used to, I used to host podcasts. I used to appear on them a lot. Obviously, because of work, I don't do nearly as much. Not not because like I'm blocked from doing them or anything, but like I just a lot of the time don't have that time to like sit. Right. You know, it's a it's a time commitment, as oh, you all yeah, know. Absolutely. So I don't always have the time to like sit down to chat. But I just I love, love like. Um, 
listening to podcasts and like with with informative stuff and stuff like that so it's like being able to just come on and like shoot the shit with you guys for a little bit is great and so thank you so much for the opportunity really appreciated it and uh yeah the pleasure was all ours thank you for coming by we really appreciate it no problem all right, Take care. well, yeah, thank you. Uh, just so you guys know, uh, Andy is going to go ahead and uh, drop off because we're going to talk a little bit about what's happened during the week and we don't want to make him feel uncomfortable. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Take care. Thank, thank you. Thank you so much. Bye, thank you. All right. Bye. Okay. All right. Bye. All right, guys. So um, thank you guys for you guys coming and take a listen to this interview. Um, we really wanted to make that happen. And um yeah, let's, you know, let's, you guys can have questions if you want. Um, you guys can start to talk questions, but we're going to only going to talk about a couple of topics because we're already um, at about an hour. And, yeah, you know, I we have like about to... 15 more minutes left in the show. Yeah. So. yeah. We don't like to uh, go too long, but if you guys want to get a couple of questions, we'll do those. And then if not, um, uh, I just wanted to kind of touch on um, the, a couple of news topics that we had this week. You know, we had that, uh, the summer games. Summer right? Games so Fest? Yep. Summer Games Fest? No comment. Oh, wow. <laughs> Already? <laughs> Already no comment? Like, I just Come wanted on, to get you, your... You uh, Tony Hawk? Yeah, yeah. I just wanted to get I you guys... Like first time. I live in the country. What I gonna do to oh, say... I do want to play Tony Hawk. I'll let you know. I oh, do yeah, want to play same. Tony Hawk. Did, did you get the limited edition? I had to get it. I want that deck. No, I didn't even realize it was for sale already. Oh, but man. I just saw, like, I saw a few things where people were talking about it, but I thought that it was like, they're going to go ahead and make a new game. But that's not what it is. They're just going to bring it back, bring back the old stuff. Oh. Yeah, it's the remaster of one and okay. two. Yeah. Yeah, I don't often buy remasters, but I might have to buy this just because, like, this was definitely one of those games that you... When I was younger, there wasn't always a lot of a ton of games that I felt, you know, let me go ahead and play this. But coming from SoCal, where the skater culture was like so um, permeant, you know, we had it everywhere that uh, I had to play Tony Hawk. Like everybody wanted to be a skater, black, white, didn't matter. Everybody wanted to be a skater. Yeah. Yeah. I I didn't know what skating was until or X Games or anything like that until Tony Hawk. Like that was my introduction to the whole, you know, genre. Yeah. See? No, still that's no. Good, no, 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 no. It's look, there's a lot of skater people in their mid 30s that's going to be super nostalgic <laughs> on this remastered. Yeah. Yes. I, I think when I was a kid, I tried to skateboard, but you know, I, I wasn't that agile. So, but <laughs> get it, man. If, if that's your thing, get it. I'm surprised that El Boogie was going to like get it because of she, <laughs> she liked new news. She liked yes, new news. Yeah, yeah. Typically, yeah. Yeah, yeah typically I am on the new new and I probably will get it and like not even like it but still uh, just because it's like I want them to know that we want a new one you know and this was I feel like a lot of times when they do these remasters that they're trying to figure out if there's still a need or a want for a title like it's this like I want them to know else. like yeah like I want you to make a new one so right see I don't, I don't know because I know a few years back they did try to make a new one um and it didn't vote i think it was like franchise fatigue at the by that point like they didn't people were just kind of like okay it was kind of it felt like the annual release of like madden or the annual release of, of some some more the like a call of duty or something like that so i think franchise fatigue but now that tony hawk has been like out of the spotlight for a while 
I think the industry is primed for a new one. Like, I think this is a filler. Them trying to figure out if this is the direction they want to go in uh, with right. this remaster. So, I can see them. You know. Yeah, I'm down. <laughs> Let's get it. I, I, I mean, I, I even had rollerblades. That lets you know. Like, yeah. I couldn't really skateboard, but I was out there with my rollerblades. Like, what about roller skates? No, roller skates are different. You're talking about like. That's two um, on each side, right? Yeah, that's a throw, so throwback. Like, before the blade. before the blade, it was the skate. it up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. See, I can. I, the thing is, like you know, you you all know, like I've had several surgeries, like right. on my legs. So, I was always envious. I was always the one watching my sisters and mm-hmm. and my siblings and stuff out there skating because I couldn't, you know. And so, yeah. man, Tony Hawk did it for me. Like right. I was able to get that right. sense yeah. of speed. I may not be able to do this outside, but I'm, I'm <laughs> right. gonna put on you. Exactly. I'm gonna do this 360 <laughs> Superman twirl That's spin on That's this it. game, yeah, right. flips and whatnot. You know, I'm gonna kill it on here. You know. Man. All right, and then we also got to uh, see in the Summer Games uh, a little in-depth dive of uh, the new Unreal Engine 5. Oh, and, that, uh, oh my goodness, y'all. Yeah, you know, when oh I was first watching it, I was like, dude, is this a game? Like, it's, <laughs> I was really disappointed at the end when they were like, nah, this, this ain't is no game. A, yeah, this, this ain't no game. game. This is, you know, just a show. It's a demo. So I was kind of sad about that. See, but um, you all know that Gears of War started out as a, as a Unreal Engine demo. No, I didn't. Yeah, it started. That's how it started out. So I mean, Epic could, you know, invest some resources there. People, mm -hmm. yeah, because I was like, yo, this is like a different type of Laura Croft, you know. And I'm always down for some Tomb Raider action. Oh yeah, oh yeah. That that one statue that they came up on, I was just like, this is gorgeous. This is. Oh man, I don't know. I have, I can't wait to actually see this though. Like a couple games (laughs) use this tech because. Put the, them saying in the video that they put a full-fledged like raw asset from from what what I think I remember what 3D program he mentioned I think it was Maya or something like that just taking that raw asset not having to do any crunching or rendering for it to just right. plop into the engine like that I'm like okay you all know I've been using Unreal Engine for, for like the last right. few weeks and I'm telling you I have to save every three seconds because I'm scared. It's like some, as soon as I put an asset into the engine, something's going to happen or something's going to crash. So they're saying that you can go directly with just full-fledged fidelity and ZBrush. He said ZBrush, right? Full-fledged, full fidelity and plop it in the engine with, with no crunching? Like, oh my goodness. I, I can't wait. I can't wait till um, developers get their hands on this tech. Right. Yeah, and I, you know, they're probably already playing with it, so it just it just really makes you even more excited. Like, November, October, whenever these things are coming out, it can't come sooner because, you know, there's always, you know, uh, a little bit of ramp up time before we start to get a lot of more, more games coming. So, like, I don't know. I'm I'm ready. I don't even know. I'm, I'm thinking now I might need to get another TV. I don't know. Or a monitor or something. Right. I'm trying to be trying to be all the way ready to get all the graphic fidelity oh man yeah my husband and i we, we definitely already started like talking about the next tv when we, when we saw yeah <laughs> oh y'all ready for the next tv it's right, right, right. great man i'm like I'm, i told my husband I'm like i'm so on board now let's let's go all in you know we got yeah. the big box tv downstairs so it's like yo it's, it's a 75 inch so we like yo let's start saving up for this next tv because yeah. we want to be able to get it when the new series new uh the series x launch and when the ps5 drops right. so we're gonna and be see. Ready. I'm, I'm pretty much, I'm pretty much game now, uh, completely on my on my streaming setup. So like, I'm looking at those uh, Samsung QLED monitors, the curved ones. Like, 
I think that's Ooh, what I'm going to end up doing. Man. Yeah. Fabulous. That yeah. sounds like, honey? <laughs> yeah. Like, so, I don't know which one you're talking about. I don't and know. out of stock right now. I'm like, how oh, are these out of stock? Because right people now? at home. They go, <laughs> people at home. So yeah. hopefully, uh, hopefully, we'll still be able to get like a prime day this summer and uh, things will be in stock and I can like hop on something. So, because yeah, if, if I'm going to get the Sirius X, I got this. The Sony Vizio uh, TV, right? Mm-hmm. And I don't think, as much as I love my TV, right? I can tell she's th- looking at it. Like, you can tell she's looking at it. I'm about to get rid of you. No. <laughs> I'm about to have to drop you on the curb. No, 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 no. What I'll do is I'll probably use this TV I have for the PlayStation 4, and then I'll just get an upgraded TV, and then I'll have like three monitors, three screens. That'll be good. Maybe in the future. All right, yeah. let me ask you, you all a question. Did, did you yep. try to download the video and then watch it? For and I had to find, I had to try to watch it in best fidelity I could. Like I actually went to the to the uh, Unreal Engine Five demo, downloaded it in the, the most highest fidelity I could just to watch it at a better clip because streaming it online is just very different. You get a very right. different experience. Right. And oh my gosh, if you haven't done that, I suggest you do it. It would take you a while to download the video, but try. It'll take it. you a while. Yeah, I can download to my phone and cast it to my TV because, like, my TV, like, I don't even have cable or anything like that anymore. So, I mean, like, how's your? Oh, well, I was gonna say, how is your computer monitor? Because, like, well, it has FreeSync, but it's uh, 1080p. It's not a 4K oh, okay. monitor. That's why I was saying that I'll probably want to upgrade because, like, right now, like, with the FreeSync, which people like, if you don't know, like, FreeSync definitely helps. Like, uh, Xbox One X currently supports it. So when I view things, I'm getting the best possible 1080p experience uh, because my monitor has FreeSync. But with the new generation, I definitely want to get a 4K monitor with FreeSync because... and I know, yeah. I know you all watched the Digital Foundry, how they said that oh, the, the output of the resolution was at 1440p. And it's like, right. still, I, I, I still yeah. want to see it in the best light I possibly could. <laughs> But oh man, I mean, it just looks—it looks mind blowing. Um, and if this is gonna because even they in the in the video they talked about like how you know it's gonna help developers speed up development because you know the the lower <laughs> polygon count they can bring in more assets. And I'm just like, if I as an indie developer, you know, can bring in assets for my game and they look right. better than what I can create. <laughs> I'm all for Yeah, because then you're looking at more. So everyone, I know you guys, uh, we talked about um, the uh, Xbox show and that one game um, that I cannot think of the name right now, but the one with the DeLorean and everything. Uh, oh, Bright, Infinite. Right. Yeah. Infinite, yeah, something about that, like that. That was probably like the showstopper. And that game was developed by one person. So right. imagine what one developer can do with the new Unreal Engine, which it seems like it's unreal tries to be very accessible to people from what i've heard from delilah so i mean this just means that we might not have to wait so long for a studio to have whatever approved we can have whoever who has the skills and decides i want to make the game i want to play come to life and we now all get to play it you know yeah those are the possibilities i think about well i know a little bit i want to say uh, it was either late last year when uh, Unreal acquired Quixel Scans, mm-hmm. um, which is they they t- they were a company that did a lot of like photorealistic scans of of like rocks, trees, any okay. any asset, and uh, Unreal Epic uh, acquired them, 
And so now you're able to just kind of, even in the, if you go into the Unreal Engine like marketplace, you're able to take those assets, drag them from out of the, the marketplace and into your game. And it's like, you didn't have to send a team out to kind of get that fidelity, right? So mm-hmm. it's, um, they're changing the game. game. Yeah. yeah, they're changing the game. All right. Well, um, let's see if we have any questions. We, oh, we only got one from Megatron. He got his early. Got his <laughs> early. Early, like I saw another question from forty-five Jeff. minutes ago. <laughs> no, I, I thought I saw one just a minute ago. I'll look for it while you do that one. Okay, Megatron. Uh, thank you for coming through. G. This is for GWG. Which cosplay character slash genre would you dress up as? Hmm. Mm. You know what? I'm going to go ahead and answer this because I've already been planning it. Mm-hmm. Um, I have an original character that I'm thinking about doing. She's going to be a steampunk librarian because, again, that's where my day job is. And then <laughs> I have always wanted to be one of the Sailor Scouts because I'm a big Mooney. Which one, um, though? It's a toss-up between either Pluto. Actually, I want to be all of them at least once, but Pluto and Jupiter top favorites. Uh, you won't have to let me get Jupiter, though, because, you know, that's aligned with my with well, my Zodiac. I don't know. I like because Jupiter is so. Don't they all look alike with just different colors? What the fuck? Go sit in the corner. Go sit in the corner. Yo, she trying me, cuz no. You know what? You know what? Never mind. They're not the same. They're not the same. They're not the same. They have hurt my feelings. She hurt my feelings too with that one. I want to do. I want to do Lady Maria from Bloodborne. I want to do Lola from After Party. I think I might do Lola this Halloween. She's the easiest. Yeah, she's, yeah, Lola, yes. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. I Mm -hmm. played that game. I'm with you. That was an interesting game too, by the way. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Have you thought about it too much, Delilah? I haven't really thought about it too much. As far as a cosplay? I don't have the self-esteem at all. So I'm going to need like some self-esteem classes before I... I'm kind of in this. I'm there too. Like I'm kind of in the same boat. Like I don't know about the whole. It's called alcohol, people. Maybe liquid courage. Right. Yeah. Right. Um. So no, but if I had to really kind of just think of a character that I would want to, to be like, oh man, I'm gonna have to go with the chick that plays the lead character on Remember Me. Okay. Um. Because I, I feel like it's super easy to do. All you need is a, a bomb jacket, some like, uh, you know, like a cool little glove and some 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 nice, uh, you know, knee high boots. I think it'd be easy to pull off, and uh, so yeah, get me a, a you know cute little wig or something like that. I think I can, I think because she has like this blonde, not blonde, but she has this like um, white streak of hair. So I, w- I wouldn't want to dye my hair for that, but. Um, so I, oh, sorry, go ahead. I was about to. <laughs> no, no, it's cool. I, I just if I had to pick that, or it would be uh, Jade from Beyond Good and Evil. Like, okay. I feel like that's another easy one. Like I'm not I'm not trying to do for my first time cosplaying, I don't want to do anything too drastic. Right. So I want to do keep it simple, keep it easy. Yeah. You know, kind of just take my time before, you know, cuz like you said courage is a big part of it. I'm not right. going to you're not going to catch me in like a Sailor Moon outfit yeah. or some you know, No boots you know? <laughs> I'm not you know, boots <laughs> I, 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 I ain't got no problem. I ain't got no problem with boots Let's go. Let's go. Thank whatever. you. Whatever. Thank you. Whatever. That's just like a different level of self-esteem you guys already have. Like yes. for me, like I just I would be pulling and tugging. I would feel uncomfortable. Like I have yeah. to get comfortable. Like um, so along the same lines of Delilah, I would probably choose somebody like Bangalore from Apex oh, because yeah. like I know I can do that and it would be kind of cool to like 
because she has a short haircut mm -hmm. to maybe do my hair in some type of like uh, uh mohawk type um or faux hawk you know to mm -hmm. be able to get that look I and think you can pull um, it off i think you can pull it yeah off. see i could do something like that but and not feel like you know i don't know when i when it's time to get sexy i, I have a little <laughs> Oh, she got it. It's a time and a place. Okay. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. We got it. Right. Yeah. I mean, I'm more of our power to all you guys that can just bust out in one of those outfits. But I, I just, yeah. You know what? When I when I get mine together, I'm gonna send y'all photos of it because I got an Amazon shopping list of my stuff, and I'm going through it, making sure, and I'm gonna do it, and I'm gonna send y'all photos. Oh yeah, can't wait. Can't wait to see it. <laughs> You know I'm gonna oh. get you, right? I'm gonna mess with you, right? I, can't wait to see I already you. know, I already know. But y'all, my girl, so it's okay. But I'm still gonna send y'all the photos. I'm, I might not send them no one else, but I'm sending them to y'all. I might have to look up Sailor Jupiter. <laughs> All right, it looks like we have one more question, so we'll go ahead and do that and then wrap it up. Abacab, Abacab72. How do you guys feel about Tim Sweeney saying that the Unreal? Five would only show best on PS5 games and be downgraded on other platforms because of PS5 SSC question mark. Hmm. I didn't, I didn't hear that. He didn't say that. I didn't hear that part. Yeah, I, I don't know if he said that. Man, I, I didn't hear him say that <laughs> neither. <laughs> I don't hear when, when they tried to ask, when he asked, you know, how would this, you know, be on other platforms? Like, he, I don't remember hearing that part. Yeah, he was uh, just saying how, like, the write and read for the PlayStation is very extremely fast so they're able to do some some extra things with it but series x is definitely going to support unreal engine 5 if you think that's that it's yeah. going to be different then uh yeah you yeah and i think that uh delilah had spoke to this on twitter before but i think that this is more of like a marketing deal than anything else yeah i think it's because they've they've, they've, they've been doing a lot of partnership with sony in the, the last right. year and a half so I mean, to me, it's no surprise that they're, they're making a push there. If you think about the ratio between the, the Unreal Engine support versus the Unreal Engine support from Sony on the first party with PlayStation and Sony, it's a stark dif difference. Like, for instance, uh, Microsoft first party, I think it's seven to one that uses Unreal Engine. And we also have other partners that's unannounced that uses the Unreal Engine. But then you on the Sony side, on their first party, they use they, they typically use in-house uh, platforms they typically use in-house engines um because i mean i think it's mostly because of royalties and you know mm. keeping that tech close to the vest you can really code to the metal when you have your own tech and that's why a lot of that's why you see halo making a slip space engine that's why you see uh, you know other companies making their own uh engines but unreal engine at the end of the day it's a business right so they want that business they want to be able to say look you know sony playstation make your make your game on our engine you know so i feel like this was a for me that's what it felt like just you know from this side of the fence looking in it's like they want that business fam because if you think about their portfolio they only have one game that uh, sony only has one game that uses unreal engine and so why wouldn't epic want to target Let's get our games on there. Let's let's get your games on our platform. We can we can do this cool new tech. That you you can you can spend less time on, on on making these assets and and I mean and and Unreal Engine is like it's the it's it's kind of like the industry standard at this point. It's like that's what it's it's what every uh, development company has been using because it's just so easy to get up to speed. Like I mean I, I've mentioned this before, but I'm like I've been playing around with Unreal Engine for a while and, I, and so the more and more i use it the more i understand as to why it's becoming like the the standard if you will because the barrier of entry is so 
friendly for artists. Um, it's, it's very artist friendly. Um, you don't necessarily have to know how to program to get started with Unreal Engine. And so it's, um, yeah, I, I think that's what it was. I think that's and that's why you they're talking it up like, yo, you know, play such a five. Let's get, let's get these. Let's get it. Let's 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 show this because it can work in this this hard drive. We can take advantage of that. I mean, come on, y'all, it's business. So right. Yeah, Abacab saying that it was in the IGN interview, which is probably why I didn't see it. But yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, I don't doubt that 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 the hard drive that the that PlayStation has is going to be incredible. I mean, that speed is is it's no one's able to do that. Like right now, no other system, no other is able to do that type of read write speed. And that just makes it so that you can stream worlds in faster. Now, right. as far as fidelity, that's not going to help so much on fidelity, but you can stream it assets really really quickly. All right. That's all the questions I got over here on my end though. Yeah, that's all I got to It looks like we're at the end of our show. I know you guys are crying in sadness because we have to get off. But we will be be here, same time, (laughs) same place, next week. And we really appreciate all you guys coming through to take a listen to the interview and um, listen to us uh, babble for a bit. So, um, ladies, go ahead and go with your outros. 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 (laughs) So, I'll go ahead and start with Delilah. Yes, very simple. You guys know you can follow me on Twitter at Delilah underscore HD. Thank you for tuning in. We do appreciate it. Um, please hit that like button and subscribe. Um, tell your friends. So, yeah. All right. And uh, we are trying to get to that uh, lovely, what do you want to say? Um, that stack? Yeah, to a thousand followers. <laughs> so if you guys go ahead and make sure you guys uh, tweet us out, share, get a... Uh, fellow gamers to you know take a listen to us we would greatly appreciate it and make sure you guys hit the like when you're here and share and uh go ahead sorry lady infamous you can go ahead i want to thank everybody for being on their best behavior especially in chat i was surprised (laughs) i was like i was like let me get ready let me get ready for the chat and i was like you know what y'all was on y'all best behaviors i really appreciate that uh you can check me at twitch uh, lady underscore infamous 415 uh, you can check me at my side piece aka twitter lady underscore infamous 30 uh, some sort of gaming pa- uh, some sort of gaming podcast on mondays on your uh, podcast platforms and i have two giveaways coming up i got the 1200 giveaway follower on twitch that we about to do real real soon and i got the three thousand follower account for twitter so just keep your eyes posted and thank you so much for y'all thank you all right and sharice girl sharice over here thank y'all for chilling with us this afternoon thank y'all for listening to our interview again shout out to our chat for being calm cool and collected today and not mm-hmm. ratcheted um, <laughs> <laughs> um but yes um, I'm going to go take some more medicine and maybe game a little bit this afternoon. But again, thank y'all for hanging with us. Thank y'all for chilling and thank y'all for being awesome. All right. And it's me, O-Boogie, O-2, O-8, or La Boogie. La Boogie. What Master Chief say? Right. La Boogie. call me La Boogie. So that's what we're going to go with right now. Um, I even have that on my stream. Uh, y'all can catch me, LBoogie0208, on Mixer and Monday evenings with Iron Lords Roundtable Podcast and um, on Twitter, same LBoogie0208. I still have some codes to give away for 
my uh, Apex Season 5. Yes. So y'all make sure y'all come through. Um, I'm hoping to catch you on them streets so I can uh, shut it down. Um, so, I have yeah. to get into that game. I really have to get an Apex at this point. Come on, Delilah. Oh, come on. I'm to get with it. I'm just talking about come on. What you talking about? Come on. <laughs> Not me. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Yeah. I'm adding your little come on. No, I mean, I'm encouraging Delilah to go play Apex. Oh, okay. but ain't got nothing to do with I mean, me, I'm man. A, I'm encouraging Delilah. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways. Oh, All right, God. guys. Thank you so much. And have a beautiful Saturday eve afternoon. And uh, stay safe. Okay? Wash your hands. Wash your hands. Peace.